this is Dino Dan from Cypress, California, and you're watching the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Say live show during the week Tuesdays from 9 to 11 we're recording at the same time so if you can't get it live you can get it in podcast which is how most of you get it anyway but it's 9 to 11 otherwise on Tuesday nights if you want to drop through if you want to drop in or pass through or uh, come through as we say the neighborhood still to come on the show this evening in about 13 minutes Jackie Taylor who is the uh, host Star of uh, Relative Unknown, a podcast slash documentary series where you ever you get podcasts on any platform. So she'll be joining us for the first time on this show. And the more I talk to Jackie, there's actually a uh, well, there's more than one Cleveland connection actually. Uh, don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at BBQ Central on Snapchat. Slash BBQ Central Show Facebook and Twitch for video feed slash RD Rempy on YouTube for an additional video feed. And don't forget, you can get an ad free podcast feed if you so desire by becoming a patron over at my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash BBQ Central Show. If you are an Apple podcast user, you can get the ad free show by subscribing directly in the feed slash show itself. So whatever you want to do, I am happy to give you the options. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show, 10 minutes or less this Friday is episode 189, taking you back to the best day ever, July 10th, 2010. I should say the best day of the year every year, July 10th of whatever year we're in. Hot Grill on Grill Action is going to be featured this week. They were guests on my show back then. This was actually done in the After Dark segment. So if you go way back with the show, you would know originally the show was one hour. You would know originally, originally the show was only a podcast. And we graduated into a live show via LA Talk Radio. It was technically 55 minutes, I believe. And then... I found more and better technology than I was using and realized I could get my own audience without LA Talk Radio, though we continue to use them. And I said, hey, I'm running out of time in this. For What if I started to take a look at a second hour? What would that look like? So we started the After Dark segment, which had no real time frame set. I would get a guest or two and we'd talk about it. It was supposed to be a little bit more edgy and avant-garde at the time. But when you hear the reference to, and then eventually we just blew it out to the second hour when I realized it was going to be something that we could do. And 
a way we won ever since. However, you will hear After Dark reference, so that what that means. Logan Hendrickson and Ryan Amos showed up. We talked about their background, how they got into competitive cooking. They were also getting ready to be on the season two of Barbecue Pitmasters back then, like within the Thursday coming up or whatever it was. So they were getting ready to be stars, TV stars. I also gave a quick take before we started with Ryan and Logan about barbecue teams at that stage of the game just wanting to be on television. Putting in their videos, uh, their video applications. John Marcus said, you know, if you want to be on the show, you've got to submit a video, this and that. And these teams, they didn't care about cooking. They just wanted to be on TV. So I talked a little bit about that fun interview. By the way, Hot Grill on Grill Action has been tied to the show in any number of ways over the last 11 years. Flabongos, original barbecue songs, original barbecue Christmas songs, the 12 days of barbecue Christmas, of course, which you hear every year. Great team, great group of guys. The best barbecue team name ever, Hot Grill on Grill Action. Ryan, Logan, Matt, and Chris, shout out. What up, boys? Hope everybody's well. And of course, the Matt that I'm referring to is Matt Frampton, who's been on the show a number of times, the guy behind Urban Slicer Pizza. In the Cosa Nostra, there is a, a boss of bosses term, the capo de capo, copy de, copy de capo. And I call Matt the pizziola de pizziolas, the pizzi, pizziola of pizziolas. Of course, you could have figured that out all by yourself. Don't forget, if you want to hear a segment or a guest that you've heard on the show before in a best-of format, email John, and he'll take care of you. J-O-N, John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com. And now we're going to showcase some products from Yukon Glory. Number one. This is actually growing to be one of my favorite things. Rabbit right here. Uh, this is the steak board. Yeah. Punch back out. So as you can see, oh dear. So as you can see, oh, you know what? I got to use a different screen here so I can actually see what the hell I'm doing. All right. So as you can see here, this is a uh, wood board. I got a knife right here. There's actually two sauce, uh, stainless sauce ramekins. And you would put the steak, obviously, in the middle of this wood board here. And then you have a nice uh, juice collection tray. And these are the steak boards. And again, uh, the knife comes with it, uh, very sharp. And then you do have these two stainless ramekins that you can fill up with sauce or you know whatever the hell you eat with your steaks. So this is very nice. Um, yep. Like this one a lot. Then somebody like French fries. Yeah, we got the French fry basket right here. So you have the stainless uh, French fry basket. It looks like this. Uh, it looks a little uh, discolored because, of course, I used it and I probably didn't clean it that well with my uh, first set of French fries. Maybe I actually did tater tots in it. And you can slam this right down on the grill. Now, if you don't want to be a uh, you know, messy guy or gal and you just want to use this, I mean, this would make a uh, great serving presentation just on the table like that. Uh, this one has two ceramic ramekins this time for sauce. Uh, I uh, would recommend, of course, ketchup. 
if you're going to be doing any kind of potato product because when it comes to ketchup, my palate is seven years old along with my hot dogs and my hamburgers. Uh, but this is really nice. Uh, it, it's not a huge amount of volume here, so I, I would suggest maybe a couple if you're somebody that entertains large parties. However, not to be outdone is the thing that I just talked about, the grill and serve basket. Here we go. Look at this thing. Uh, full stainless. There's three trays right here. And now uh, when we were talking about uh, you don't want to burn yourself, right, when you're pulling these things off. Because, you know, if you set this thing, I mean, it's, you know, pretty good size right here. You can get a number of different potatoes, a good couple fillets of fish, whatever it is that you're uh, doing that you don't want to put on the grill. You can use these grill baskets. You put Now, if you grill this, uh, pick this up with your hand, you're like, oh, yeah, it's hot. So you go and you take your uh, gripper that it comes with. You put it in the uh, middle thing here, and up it comes. And now you're not burning. And then you can set it right back down in this tray, lever it off. And, of course, forgive the sound here. Uh, there is this tray that they talk about, which is what's collecting all of the grease and all that other stuff. So it is a, a nice uh, presentation piece, as it were. And again, you have the handy dandy grabber that you can, uh, where is it closest to you? You fit on the inside, of course, and then you have a nice secure connection there. Uh, you can also grab it on this side uh, if you want to, but I'm not doing it right. Ugh. Yeah, that way. Sorry. So, you have two sides. You can grab it from either side. This side or uh, <laughs> this side or this side. Whatever's closest to you. And again, only limited by your imagination, right? So, uh, you know, triple... <laughs> I got I to gotta get a better camera person here. Triple trays, which is nice. Uh, the tray, which is nice for collection... And uh, you're off and running. Again, uh, you get 10% off right now. If you use 10 Central at checkout, when you go to yukonglory.com, I believe uh, at least a couple of you were over as I had uh, made some posts on it a couple weeks ago. And it's, it's really, again, the thing that surprised me the most, and I don't want to say I'm a bit jaded when it comes to folks saying their products are great and they make good product and they make their own products, things like this. But having felt it and knowing it and seeing it and talking with the folks, I mean, they're walking the walk and they are talking the talk, but they're walking the walk, which is most important. All right. Jackie Taylor is getting ready to come on. Not in the green room, uh, not in the green room yet, but hopefully she'll be here shortly. While we wait for her, I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grill, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Choice line, a prime line to choose from. If you want to save a couple bucks, you can go Choice Line, kind of the original Green Mountain Grill versions. 
Doesn't have a lot of that tech, a lot of that gear that a lot of people are clamoring for. But if you're somebody that likes to save a couple bucks, if you want a good performing pellet cooker, the Choice Line is right for you now. If you want to amp the game up a little bit, you go Prime Line. You get two internal meat probes. You get peek-in windows in the main cooking chamber and on the pellet hopper. You have Wi-Fi connectivity. You have app control as well through uh, your Wi-Fi connection. The Peak and the Ledge are your two sizes for the backyard. The Peak is the biggest one, Ledge Middle. And the Trek is the one that you can take with you. That used to be the Davy Crockett. Uh, That's the one that started the 12-volt technology as well, which you find on all the cookers at this point. The Peak and the Ledge will also accommodate the pizza oven insert. They're sold through a dealer network. So go to greenmountaingrills.com and find a dealer nearest you. Visit the dealer, get educated. And then figure out which one is best for you. Then buy it. And then know when you get home because you're buying through a dealer, you're getting educated properly. So success pretty much guaranteed right out of the box. No remorse, not returning the cooker, none of that stuff. Dealer Network. This is why we love it. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com for more accessories as well to complete the Green Mountain Grill experience. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we are breaking format and going with Jackie Taylor when we come back here. Folks, you're going to be so excited going to be really fun. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Gang, I'm a fan of podcasts, not only the Barbecue and Grilling podcast, but other ones as well. Tonight in the second hour, we break format and talk about something that I knew nothing about other than when I would hear about it on TV shows or movies, that being the Witness Protection Program, or WITSEC as it's called. I guess tonight has been in the WITSEC program for the past 40 years or so, and was the story behind the documentary slash podcast entitled Relative Unknown, which dealt with her father, a former Hell's Angel turned government informant, and what her life was like being put into the Witsick program. Here to talk about that, what she would like to change about the program for the folks who will have to be part of it in the future, and maybe, just maybe, some barbecue talk as well. We welcome in first timer to the show, Jackie Taylor. Hey, Jackie. Hello, Greg. How are you? I am fabulous, Jackie. I appreciate you joining me, and I am ultra po- I don't remember the last time I was this excited to have a guest on the show uh barbecue wow. or not barbecue related so I appreciate you making time and uh, well, thank I, you before we get into the agenda this evening this show is one that obviously covers barbecue and grilling so to stay on brand for at least one question where is your level of interest in live fire cooking or eating or any of that um, it, it's it's way up there. I'm quite a big barbecue fan, actually. 
I used to um, coincide my trips to Cleveland with the rib burn-off down in the flats because it was right around the time, right around my grandfather's birthday, which is May 24th. So that was a big thing to us. So, I mean, this is perfect. Um, yeah, I, I love grilling out myself. I haven't done that much experimenting with anything more than propane. I know that's terrible. Why? But I have a propane grill and I love it. I do too. I, I grill out a lot. That's um, In fact, I was supposed to have a little barbecue tonight, but I canceled the barbecue to be on a barbecue show. That's the way to do it, so, Jackie. That's right. Is that is that good or bad? That's I'm not good. sure. I mean, it's probably both, right? I mean, we always want to cook, but in, in my case, selfishly, I think it's okay. We'll, we'll let it pass. They can come tomorrow if they want, for crying out loud. So Yes, that's um, what I said. Yes. As we get going, I want to uh, articulate a few of my goals here. First, of course... I want everyone to go out to get the Relative Unknown podcast if they haven't heard it yet and start listening to it. And I don't think we'll spoil like too much for folks that haven't heard it yet. It's an incredible story on many fronts. And then second, and perhaps more important, I want to help you shine a light on the Woodsec program and show people the incredible shortcomings of how this whole thing works. Because I don't think, as I mentioned, the open 99% of us have any idea of how this thing works actually works living and breathing with folks doing it we hear about it on tv but we don't see even what the next day look like or weeks or months or, or years as that program goes on and there's obvious that there's some major things that need to be addressed and really that's your core mission uh, of things that you're trying to change here for that program so uh i, I hope to help in any way that i can are there any you know Thank specific you. goals that you would like to accomplish during the time this evening too Yes, I just like to make people more aware because like you said, um, Hollywood does really glamorize the witness protection program and there's nothing glamorous about it. Um, I do have an end game and my end game is to, you know, hopefully speak in front of Congress someday. Um, there's been no con congressional oversight since 1984 with my father. <laughs> so that's a big concern of mine. Um, all of the numbers, everything is not accessible to FOIA. So, you know, that, that's a big thing to me. But basically just spreading awareness, letting people know my story, um, other stories that I've been working with as well. There's a number of other children that I'm connected with, and we have our own little support group, I guess you say. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not alone in this. There's others out there that are in my shoes. So just to set the scene a little bit here for the folks that are, you know, just kind of coming in or, or wondering how this interview even happens, uh, a quarterly guest of mine who's the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly, uh, we were having a conversation one day and he said, hey, uh, we were talking about podcasts we listen to and he asked if I had listened to Relative Unknown and I said, no. He said, well, you should. There's a Cleveland connection in it. But he didn't really give me any heads up on what the show was going to be about, uh, but I heard Cleveland figured I'd uh, give it a shot. And uh, of course, I listened to half of the first episode and I'm hooked immediately, and uh, I listened. To, I, I binged it for like the next uh, day or two. Uh, every time I was in the car, I had it on, and, and I was through it. And it was an incredible, like in in, in like a, a lot of the saddest ways possible. I think uh, story that you're going through. So um, I guess if I can ask a general question up front, I'm like the antithesis of motorcycle guy. I'm scared of motorcycles. 
I would like to ride one. I'm also afraid of everybody else <laughs> that would hit and kill me. So, you know, I, I just was not aware of the sheer amount of motorcycle clubs that were uh, a out in the 1970s and, and 60s and stuff. I had no idea. That, are there this many motorcycle clubs that are still in existence today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Is it more? They're not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Since wow. Sons of Anarchy came out, um, I call it the Sons of Anarchy culture. Um, you see a lot of guys now in Dyna Lowe's. That's a type of a, a bike, just to let you know, and a street and street glides. Uh, everybody wanted to go out and get a bike. Everybody wanted to start their own MC, their own club after this particular show came out because it, it really um, glorified the biker culture, which, you know, I have no bad memories about growing up in the Hells Angel Clubhouse, you'd think that that, surprisingly enough, you'd think that that would be terrifying as a child, but it really wasn't. Um, we had a lot of fun. It was very family-based in the 70s. Um, I remember a lot of barbecues. I remember just having a lot of fun with all of my uncles and my cousins. Um, it, was, it was a great time. Um, you know, since the early 80s when the clubs systematically started getting shut down a little bit thanks to my father and one um you know you saw a decline in club activity um on the rate i should say on the radar club activity now it's more under the radar now it's more clubs trying to do good things um because they know that there's a lot more attention on them now if that makes sense after you know the early 80s so are there a lot of groups out there, a lot of clubs? Oh, yes. And I a lot more than there were previously. Do you have a general Definitely. opinion on motorcycle clubs today versus how they were? Or, or maybe not even comparing just where the state of motorcycle clubs are today? I do. Um, there's certain ones that are... It's hard for me to see, I guess, where they are today versus where they were once upon a time. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the real, uh, the realest of the real, and that's how I grew up. And now I see these guys with white tennis shoes and flat bills and their Dyna Lowe's. And like I said, I coined them the sons of anarchy culture. So it's, it's more of a fad now, um, but you can still see those real bikers. Um, as far as my involvement, I don't really want to be involved with that my opinions changed over the past six months, I guess you would say, on where my stance is. You know, I've um, <laughs> you'd look at me and think I had a, I had a nickname actually when I was working in Cleveland at the Alley Cat Oyster Bar. They called me Biker Mom, but I'm far from it actually. Do I like motorcycles? Absolutely. Do I want to be involved in any type of a club? Hell no. There's too there's way too many politics. And, you know, I'm a woman. I don't need any more drama in my life. And these clubs, a lot of them are full of drama. And I, I have no time for that. Jackie Taylor joining There's me here opinion. on the show. You can follow her on Twitter at Hell's Little Angel. And Angel is A-N-G-L. So make sure you get that right if you want to follow along. So, again, to kind of reset a little bit, uh, a lot of the Relative Unknown podcast is 
centered around, and you've kind of referenced him a couple different times here as we've been talking, your dad, uh, Butch Crouch, who later on uh, through the Witness Protection Program, and as he is kind of originally introduced in the show, is Paul Dome. And he was, uh, you know, really quite a high-ranking member of the Hells Angels, and that's where uh, this whole Cleveland connection comes in. So he's a guy who was born in Louisiana, and uh, I mean, is I mean, geez, you go back and look at the, at the train of of despair here. I mean, your dad was born into some really crappy conditions with his mom, and you know, the, no dad around, and his upbringing, and. Um, and then obviously it kind of, you know, fell forward with you and what you had to deal with, but he, uh, you know, ends up getting into prison, uh, pretty early in life. Um, and then that's also where this whole motorcycle fascination comes with because him and his cellmate at, uh, 6 AM in the morning and 5 PM at night are racing to the prison window to hear this dude ride to and from back to work and just the... I don't know, the melodic tones of the engine, um, you know, really, that, that was the romance where they fell in love with motorcycles, right? Correct. That was the first page of his manuscript is, if you asked me uh, how I became a biker, this is how. And it was in Huntsville. Um, him and his cellmate were getting up and listening to this. It became the highlight of their day. This gentleman just riding to work, you know, and they looked forward to that and just listening to him, you know, riding down the road and uh, switching gears. And I mean, they loved it. And the first thing that he did when he got out of prison was he went and bought himself a bike and he learned how to ride. And then he bought a cellmate a bike and he learned, he taught his cellmate how to ride when he got out. So that's where it all started. And he went on to hook up with some of the original members of the Banditos actually and form a club down in Texas. So that's kind of all where it started. But he had a very tragic upbringing that oh. I never knew a lot about until we did this podcast and some of the producers really dug into his past and brought it all to light for me. So that was one wonderful, that was a wonderful thing that happened because of all of this is how much I learned about my father that I had never known previously. <laughs> So he does time with the banditos. He ends up turning in his patches, goes out west, and uh, I don't know if he had like appointments or he eventually runs into Sonny Barger, who of course is, uh, you know, one of the most well-known, probably the most well-known Hell's Angel, and he's keeping notes on everybody that's in biking uh, at this point, and he knows your dad and what he's done, and says, hey, you know, we want you to go out to Cleveland. There's been some. Uh, things that have gone awry out there and we want you to kind of get Cleveland back to prominence and uh, it appeared your dad was uh, down for that and uh, away he went and uh, off to, to Cleveland he goes to kind of realign the, the Hells Angels charter out there. Correct. So he went out, he had, he did have an appointment with Sonny Barger um, that was, he thought he was going to get killed that day. Um, long story short, I don't want to give away too much. Um, he did, Sonny did ask him to go to Cleveland and help out the Cleveland cha Charter and to start some new charters on the Northeast Coast there. So he helped with quite a few different clubs out there, get them started. He was uh, wrangling up prospects, different things like that. Um, basically like a recruiter, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
you could say, but um, everybody knew who he was and he was, he was wild and crazy. Uh, he definitely uh, made a name for himself in the late sixties and early seventies. So yeah, he, uh, he ended up being the vice president of the Cleveland charter and uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all started, I guess. One of the, Culminating moments there in the beginning is the recounting of the Polish Women's Hall situation uh, between Hell's Angels and the Breed, and there's a lot of death going on. Uh, details out how your dad stuck a guy in the guts and you know basically gutted him on the floor. However, he's getting stabbed multiple times himself, and I mean it's just you're almost exhausted as you get done listening to that particular episode because it, it almost seems unreal or or movie esque, and this is actual a, a recounting of what's happening in real life, and it's. You know, mind-boggling as I was listening to the whole thing again a second time, and uh, there's a there seemed to be a point in the club's growth where, and from what I was trying to understand the second time, there was this uh, rolling of bones or making bones where if you were going to be a full-fledged member of the Hell's Angels in Cleveland, you were going to have to kill somebody. Um, is that was that a standing rule across the country, or is that just a rule in Cleveland to you know set themselves apart as being the true badasses? Allegedly, yes, that oh, was always, a standing rule. Always in- allegedly, <laughs> always allegedly, <laughs> reportedly. That was a standing rule in Cleveland. Um, do I know if all of the club members completed this? Nope. We'll never know. Yep. Um, but yes, he's written about it. Um, I know that that's definitely not a rule now. A lot of things have changed within the club, thank God. Uh, but yeah, that, that was once upon a time. Um, that was a rule. So that was kind of, I think, oh, one of the things that made the HA stand out from a lot of the rest of the clubs back then was they were the baddest. You had to roll your bones to get in. So, yeah, that was in that particular episode that you're talking about, about the Polish Women's Hall, that I had to warn people about that one. I have, you know, a lot of my friends' parents were going to listen to the podcast, and I said, you know, there's one, it's pretty darn gruesome. It really, it made my stomach turn listening to it. So, (laughs) it was very graphic, and I can't believe that, but then I, I had a... I remembered my father actually coming home after being gone for a long time and he was bandaged up everywhere and had stitches still and scars and he was showing me them as a child and he told me that he went face to face with the devil and this is what happened. Oh, yeah. Crazy, but um, how he wrote was amazing. A lot of the stuff that we got from the podcast were his exact words from his manuscript and his choice of words, his writing style was like nothing I've ever seen. And I can't wait to publish this manuscript because it's going to be amazing. I haven't read it. It's a little too hard. I've only read about 20 pages. Of 500. (laughs) Yeah, it was like 650. So it's on the smallest font possible with the smallest font possible from an old prison typewriter. So when all is said and done, it'll probably be about a thousand-page book. Wow, we're we're thinking. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the podcast that your time in Cleveland growing up was the happiest time in your life. Um, Absolutely. You know, as you 
as you listen to this whole thing transpire and then you know as i'm trying to remember things that are sticking out to me that was like one that i could recall immediately i'm, I'm hearing this whole thing develop i was like holy moly i can't believe this is real life and then i hear jackie going cleveland was was the best time of my life i had my family around me uh you have a younger brother younger sister you had your mom uh, and then you had all these uncles, my grandparents, your grandparents, right? And you had all these uncles who were, mm-hmm. you know, Hell Angels uh, members. I mean, do you? You were really young, uh, so it's it's probably a stupid question for me to ask. But like, what do you? What do you glean from that time that you say, yeah, these were good? Was it just being around people, or, or were there other examples that you would point to to say, you know, this is why the time in Cleveland was good? You know, mainly it was my grandparents. There was a lot of love with my grandparents. They were very good people. Uh, My grandfather worked for the rail yard, retired from the rail yard, and then went to work at the shipyard um, in Cleveland. And he was a superintendent building ships, and he didn't have to go to war because of it, because they needed him here. Uh, He ended up retiring and buying um, or joining a club out by Painesville and Concord area. Yeah. And there's a couple lakes there and it's a fishing club and bought a little house. And then he moved us out of inner city Cleveland and put us on that property. And we had a pier in the front yard and two little lakes, a bass rowing pond. He built us a picnic ground area with a swing set. I mean, it was wonderful while my mom went to work or was with my father or at the clubhouse, you know, that's, that's mainly, the wonderful things that I remember was the time with my grandparents, uh, my uncle Gene, my cousin Stacy, Frankie, and Heather. Just growing up in that area was just beautiful. But you know, the HAs would also come out when my mom was at work night. She worked nights at the hospital, and then my dad would have a little party out there. So I mean, you know, as far as my wonderful life out there, that's more what it was around. But club life. I still have wonderful memories from them. Um, you know, just going to the clubhouse, I was never afraid. There was one member in particular that I was a little nervous around, and I don't know why. I think he had face tats or something, but something scared me about him. And his name was actually Jack. And I was afraid of Uncle Jack, and he never knew why. And he made me, he asked me one time, and, and I didn't know, but I was like five, you know. But uh, other than that, you know, I just, there was, I didn't see any violence. I didn't see, I saw drugs. I saw guns and knives, but nothing was ever bad. It's just, I didn't know any better as right. a kid. Right. This was just my reality. And again, so like, so young, you weren't 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, you were, you Correct. know, well under 10 at that point. So uh, just an, an innocent right. little kid. And as you said, just kind of uh, around the surroundings that you're at. Um, I don't want to like blow over the whole story here, but, um, just to kind of keep it going, uh, your dad ends up, uh, you know, turning, uh, state witness, uh, whatever they call it, makes a deal. And this is where the whole uh, other side of the story, I mean, you do a great job at, at setting up where the story turns and how it goes to get there. And listeners should go download the podcast relative unknown and, and get to this point. And I think this is where everything changes because, as I had mentioned in the open, as as you had talked about when we've talked off air, you know Hollywood and and most people see witness protection as something that's glamorized, and 
it's like, oh, we're saving you, and now we're sending you away, and life will be so much better. You'll be protected forever, blah, 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 blah. But we don't know if that's the case. We don't know what the next day looks like or you know, the weeks and the years that will follow. So as you're going through that you know, transition, and it seems you know, really disjointed and jarring and traumatic for you guys. You know, it's, it's middle of the, again, it seems like it's a movie. It's middle of the night stuff. It's grab your stuff. We're going on an adventure, you know, all the stuff that you hear in the movies and the TV shows, but you're doing this in real life. So, um, can you talk a little bit about what the transition was like and, uh, ultimately where you end up? Well, without giving away too much of the podcast, because you do have to listen to the podcast. Yes. It's phenomenal. And that's thanks to Zach Levitt right there. Um, I just did what he told me to do. It was so um, good. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I can barely take any credit. That was all Zach. Uh, you know, my father flipped on the club, and nobody's quite sure why. He claims it was because a there was a bombing called the Sigley bombing in 1975 where a baby was killed with two other people. And he said that that always bothered him, but that was 1975. He didn't flip till 1981. Mm -hmm. So why did he flip? We'll never really know. Um, I have my theories. Everybody has their theories. Did he flip on the club? Did he snitch? Is he a rat? Yes, I get a lot of flack. Why are you talking about this? Trying to glorify your father. Not trying to glorify my father in any way, just trying to bring awareness to what happened to my family. Um, direct as a direct result of being put on the witness protection program. 1981, my mother noticed that on our private property, we were being watched. There was a sedan parked outside of our house with suits in the sedan, which it was a gated community. Uh, it wasn't even a community. It was just gated private property with about 10 different little cottages. It scared my mom enough to know that something was terribly amiss and she packed us all up, moved us down to Florida. We lived happily in Florida without my father. So this was an escape from um, whatever my dad had done, whatever we were being watched for, as well as it was an escape for my mother from a very abusive man. You know, there's a couple of instances that I remember where he was, a couple of instances with violence with my father, not too much, but I didn't see what went on behind their bedroom door. Right. Um, and thankfully, uh, but she escaped and we went down to Florida. She got a job there. We were living happily. And then my father decided to roll on the club and call the ATF. The ATF got a hold of my mother and said, basically, Butch has flipped. Um, his demands are that he's not doing anything without his family. So here's what's going to happen. If you don't come with us and, you know, we proceed with this, your whole family is in danger. You're, you and your children will be killed. So you really have no choice. Um, she was receiving threatening phone calls at work from the club, but it wasn't the club. Mm. Um, we found that out later. I mean, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer there who that was, and that's just an unfortunate event, something that we'll never be able to really prove, but it happened. Um, so we did, we ended up, my, my mother never told us children. I was seven, my sister was five, and my little brother was two. Oh. So of course she can't tell 
the children what's going on, but she decided to go ahead and, you know, go with the U.S. Marshals. So um, there was a lot of different agencies involved, the U.S. Marshals, the Department of Justice, uh, the FBI, as well as the ATF. And I actually have intel documents, confidential documents from all four departments wow. or from all four yeah, agencies. It's pretty crazy on notes and things that were going on back then. So uh, very lucky to have those documents. I uh, remember one more. So I'm sorry, let's back up a little bit. So my mother decided to go ahead and do this. She was afraid for her life, afraid that we were all going to be killed by the Hells Angels. Sure. So she decided to start to, to go along with this. And she started packing slowly, um, doing laundry and packing things here and there and hiding them from us. She never told us what was going to happen. So the one part that I always say that is like the movies is we were woken up in the middle of the night as children and ushered into black vans. And that was terribly scary, terribly traumatic. Yeah. Um, I remember almost everything about it. I'll never forget that. We had no idea what was going on. The only thing that was assuring to us and reassuring was my mother's gentle voice telling us that it was going to be okay. These guys are good guys. They're gonna. They're here to help us. But help us from what? What? What were we? What were we doing? So then we were put in a safe house in Tampa, Florida. There's about seven safe houses that I know of in the United States. And since I've blown that cover so many different times. I don't think that the one in Tampa exists anymore, and that's by no fault of my own, but the marshals should um, answer my phone calls when I call them, I guess. Um, but we did stay in that safe house while my mother and father were getting all of their paperwork uh, situated. Um, it was a giant house that had different wings on it. There was another couple that was staying there. There was also another man that was staying there. Uh, we all ate meals together. We had our own separate little area, almost like our own little apartment. We spent Thanksgiving there. We ate with the marshals. I actually have pictures. I probably have the only pictures of the inside of a federal safe house hmm. in existence. Wow. I, I've never seen or heard of anybody else that has any, but I do have some. So we, um, I have pictures of us eating Thanksgiving. I have pictures of us celebrating Christmas. We spent New Year's there and shortly after, and it was right around the time that the plane crashed into the Potomac through the ice. Do you yep. remember that? Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. That's the same time that we were moved to Billings because I remember watching it on TV in our hotel room. So we, so imagine this being moved traumatically you know, in the middle of the night, staying in the safe house. Um, we were told that we couldn't, um, we had to start lying to people. So as a child, I've been told my whole life, you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal. And now all of a sudden I'm being told, this is your new name, this is how you write it, you need to fill this book up. If you get this wrong, you could put your whole family at risk and you could get your family killed. I'm seven. Wow. No and I'm pressure. being told this. No pressure, no pressure for the seven-year-old, you wow. know. Uh, so, you know, we were told that. We were told um, motorcycles were not our friends. So I have I grew up loving motorcycles. You know, I heard a motorcycle. I looked to see if it was my dad or one of my uncles. It was a comforting sound, as I said on the podcast. And then all of a sudden, I'm told that everybody on a motorcycle 
is danger. And if you hear a motorcycle, you go into the house. If you're at school, you get off the playground. So, I mean, that was terrifying. So we're moved to Billings, Montana in the biggest shithole of a hotel. And I am no princess. I'm a best (laughs) Western girl right here. Um, Days in, no problem. Red roof in. I am not a princess. I'm, you know, as long as there's not bed bugs, I'm good. But this place was disgusting. Mm. I and that stood out because uh, it was almost scary to sleep there. And then I, I drive by this place all the time now, and I, <laughs> it's making me shake. I'm still mad about it. It, oh. it infuriates me where they put me and my family. Um, no car, no job. We were given a stipend of, I believe. Twelve to fourteen hundred dollars a month, which paid for our food, any bills. I believe that covered the cost of the hotel room as well. That's not a lot of money for five people. No doubt. So um, we walked everywhere. So the 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 shock of being moved from Florida to cold ass Montana <laughs> um, and being put in a hotel and having to walk everywhere, having to walk to the grocery store, having to walk to there's no cell phones back then. This is nineteen eighty. Well, now it's 1982, but uh, having to walk to the grocery store, um, we didn't have we didn't even have money for a cab because we had to really be careful of how we spent our money for food. So we're walking to the grocery store, which is a good half mile away, if not more. In the middle of winter, we mm-hmm. have no winter clothes. We have to go get some winter clothes with the small amount of money that we're given. My mother walks everywhere until she finds a car then we are able to secure an apartment and we move into this real, it was actually a cute little condo, thank God. But we spent a good two months, two to three months in that hotel. And that, uh, I'll never understand that. There was a Sheridan down the street, which wasn't, I mean, you know, I found out later from a, actually I just found out last month, one of the witness protection kids that I am in contact with, he uh, was actually moved to Billings, his whole family, oh my. and they stayed at the Sheridan. Oh, wow. They stayed at the Sheridan. Yeah. And we stayed at the <laughs> Esquire Motor Inn is what it was called. Yikes. Like in this time, is is there expectation set as, as this transition is happening that, hey, don't worry, uh, you'll have point of contact, you'll have handlers or, or anything like that? Or are they saying, hey, we're going to drop you somewhere and uh, good luck? That's how I'd like to say it. But I'm sure that my my parents had contact with the handlers. I, of course, didn't because I, I was seven years old at the time. Um, I turned eight like a month after we came here. So... I didn't see a lot of the handlers. I know that my father worked with them. He was also flying back and forth to Cleveland to testify. So did I see a lot of FBI agents? Did I see a lot of marshals? No, not really. Um, I think that they were trying to make it as normal as possible, but we never received any counseling, excuse me, after this. Um, That's one thing that I definitely do remember. The first time I ever saw a counselor was in school and uh trying to talk about some of this but not knowing what i could and couldn't talk about was a strange thing but apparently he was notified of the uh circumstances so he did know and he was pulling us out of class Mm. 
But as far as professional counseling outside of my school, there was none, which I'm a huge advocate for mental health. So, you know, we weren't checked on like that, like you would think that we would be. And as soon as my mom got a job, everything was cut financially. So we were completely on our own. As soon as there was income coming in from an outside source, government cut you off. Correct. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other thing that I found incredible is, you know, as you get older, as you need to sign up for things or show who you are and prove who you are, you have no identity. You're not uh, Jackie Crouch anymore. You're Jackie Taylor, but there's no supporting documents that go along with that. Uh, and, and perhaps there still aren't uh, supporting documents that go along with that. So, you know, as you're making your way through, you know, your 20s and 30s, like how are you dealing? How are you dealing with that? And, and how is that fight going? It's slowly but surely. I am still dealing with it today. I just dealt with it last month. I posted a video. I don't know if you saw that on my Instagram page, trying to get my daughter just a copy of her birth certificate. Um, we couldn't find where her birth certificate was. I think it was with her dad or something, but we needed to get a copy of her birth certificate so that she could get a job. And they noticed up there that my expired passport, my passport that I finally got out of the marshals six, five years after we were supposed to get it. So I get my picture taken and everything, get, fly down, get flown down to Denver. And I didn't get my passport for five years after wow, that. Wait. So a passport that's good for 10 years was only good for five years. Right. Anyways, it expired during COVID. So the office was closed. So now my passport's expired. So I take it anyway, my driver's license, my passport, and I actually sent out for my old birth certificate that they said was non-existent. Well, it was, I, I got it. Um, I took all that up there just in case. All of my middle names are spelled different on each supporting document. So a lady caught it up there. I'm like, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> You know, so now my daughter's having problems. So that's third, I call it third generation WITSEC problems. Yeah. Did my daughter ask for this? God, no. Did I ask for this? Did I sign anything? Nope. No. So that's my big problem. Um, when we were initially put on the program, Greg, it, we, we got a card and a passport. And then it was up to us, of course, to get our driver's license. So we did all of that. Um, and we were never given birth certificates, which poses a huge problem nowadays, yes. um, especially with you know 9-11 and um, the real ID law coming into effect, which terrifies me and terrifies every other person on WITSEC because many of these people do not have their birth certificates. Thankfully now you can go in and apply for changes to your birth certificate. So this is the only way out that I know of because obviously I've pissed off the marshals now. I'm a breached member of security when I came out, so they refuse to help me anymore. Hmm. Um, once again, I didn't sign anything, so how am I breaching anything? Right. So that's for um, a wonderful team of lawyers that I have to figure out in the future. But um, yeah, it you know all through my life trying to get a marriage license. This was way before I got my. 
um, original birth certificate, but I didn't have a birth certificate. So the gal in Yellowstone County refused to give me a marriage license. She told me to go to the other county, that they were more lenient there. You know, playing softball. I'm right. trying to get into college. Anything. Everything. And now, you know, and that that was back in the day. Think of how it is nowadays. Everything is a lot tighter now. So now I'm, you know, when I least expect it, it comes back and hits me in the face. Uh, what was I doing? Oh, I was buying a shotgun uh, the day before yesterday. And I spelt my middle name wrong because I couldn't remember how my middle name was spelled on my driver's license. So I spelt my middle name wrong. And the guy asked me about it and I was so embarrassed. What am I supposed to say? You know, oh, oops, I, f I forgot the E. <laughs> so, I mean... Like, what do you tell them? Do you say, oh, you know, by the way, this is what's going on and forgive me for Well, then I'm going to be marked as crazy and, not, and I'm not going to get my shotgun, <laughs> you know? Oh, my so, God. So, um, a lot of people know me now in Billings. So, I probably could have found somebody in that sporting goods store that could have verified. Um, <laughs> my nephew actually works at a sporting goods store and I, and I made the mistake of not going to see him because... He he, <laughs> he would have caught it. I, I, I know. I should have just went there, but I was in a hurry. So I was in a hurry to buy a shotgun. You know how that goes. Yeah, always. But <laughs> anyways, I mean, it's just problems like that that I'm still dealing with. But I am not the only person. Right. So over the years, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and a lot of people that are in my shoes. Um, and we've kind of, I guess, organized a our own little support group, so to speak. Uh, I'm trying to direct them as best as I can on what to do, but eventually it's just going to come to all of us testifying before Congress and saying, you know, hey, this is what we're going through, what we're still going through. We're all batshit crazy because we never received mental health care. Um, that's a whole different aspect in itself. Um, it's, it's It sucks. It's, it's life. It's apparently my destiny did i ask for this no but i i have to do it because i'm the only one i do have an end game i would like to eventually get all of this done and get on with my fucking life excuse me so how do you go from that goal in the meantime like how are you spooling up to get there who are you talking to what are the steps you need to take i mean it's I, I want to support that in any way possible, but I have no idea. I mean, I'm just speaking like if it were me. I just have no idea what the what the pathways are to get to that final destination. Basically, it's just spreading awareness, listening to the podcast, spreading the podcast. Um, if you know anybody, you know, and senators or anything like that, talking to them. Um, if you see them, hey, did you did you ever hear about this girl? You know, I've I've talked to different senators. I've talked to congressmen before. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll help you when the time comes. Well, the time's coming. I'm not hearing too much back. And I'm still trying to live my life as a mother with three children, um, trying to, you know, keep my job on focus. I have another career going on now since all this happened, um, you know, in L.A. But I'm, I'm trying to stay focused and get this done. And honestly, I'm not quite sure exactly what I need to do except keep talking louder because it does need to be restructured. Yeah. Um, if not abolished altogether. So I do not believe in children going into witness protection unless they can um, guarantee 
that they're not being, <laughs> that, that, that's a huge thing for me. All of the children that, and, and we're not children anymore, I'm 47 years old, yeah. but all of the children that I've talked to, they were put in the care of, by all definitions, serial killers. My father, by definition, was a serial killer. He killed many people. Um, Camry's father killed many people. Um, my friend David's father killed many people. Um, and they, they were given custody of us, and I'll never understand that. So should that be allowed to happen today just because they turn state's evidence? Should they be able to go live happily ever, ever after? Now, my father did go to prison. However, he only spent eight years in prison. Yep. And then he was allowed to go ever go out and do whatever you know he wanted. Um, he ended up committing three more murders. <laughs> so, um, just <laughs> spoiler alert, I guess. Tune um, into the first episode, everybody, and yeah! <laughs> hear all that. It's in the first episode. <laughs> but uh, right there, you go. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's no documentation for that. There's no documentation of the suicide rate. And I've had a lot of struggles with my mental health, um, you know, and unfortunately I've drugged my kids through it with me throughout the years. Can I ask you about um, that, Jackie? I mean, I've, of I've been a huge proponent. Um, I'm not a proselytizer by any stretch of, you know, people going to therapy or, or anything like that, but I've had, you know, some people really close to me um, within this community that I uh, help cover talk to me offline and, and just have real meaningful conversations about how we feel as men and husbands and members of society and well workers for companies and responsibilities and and um and championing ourselves to go get in touch with medical professionals to help us navigate everyday life um none of us are kooks None of us have had huge tragic experiences or, you know, had anything that you would look at somebody and go, oh, that's very dramatic and traumatic and life changing. Um, that person might want to talk to somebody to help them deal with everything that's happens. We're just talking about everyday life. And even then, I think there continues to be a stigma over general health of your mental well-being and being able to say to somebody, hey, you know what? Um, some months I talk to somebody twice, uh, twice a month, and if I'm feeling really good, I'll stretch it out, maybe six weeks, and then within that six weeks, if I don't feel, if I need to have it pick up again, it's just relationship that I have with this guy, and it works really good for me and all these other guys, and I try and bring it up as much as I can. I can't even begin to imagine how you and your therapist begin to get your arms around the monster of your life that you had, again, no part in wanting to be in. You were born into a family where your dad was, uh, I mean, a, a criminal to the highest degree. A rapist, a, felon, a murderer, a drug dealer, a, a, a pimp. pimp. I mean, you know, oh, he I know. ran the gamut. And then, uh, you know, and then, of course, later, as you talked about in life, uh, committing three at the end, and you're kind of caught up into, oh, hey, uh, you know, you might want to come out here and, and you get this trunk and there's all this stuff. And, and now it's like 
a whole mind, a, a whole new mind fuck that's that's going on. You know, aside from having grown totally. up in the WITSEC program and having to deal with that, now you have this whole separate thing that's coming in. So from totally. a, a mental <clears throat> perspective, Jackie, like over the years, how have you been able to get right, get good, be mentally healthy? Uh, I'm sure it's ongoing, but like, what does that picture look like for you? And, and people should be doing this, um, you know, <laughs> whether they're on your train or not. This is something that people need to feel comfortable talking about. Absolutely. So I'm so glad you brought that up because that is always, you know, one of the things that I like to talk about, you know, when people say, is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, let's talk about mental health. Um, I'm a huge, huge advocate of mental health. That is one thing that was left out of the this equation when we were put into WITSEC. Have I struggled? Oh my God. Has my sister struggled? My brother We've all struggled. However, now a lot of people think that, you know, they could never compare to me, but trauma is trauma. So you losing your dog last week, that's still trauma. You know, um, you're still going through a lot of those same emotions that I'm going through as loss. And, you know, does it make me stronger um, no, I figured out how to overcome. Am I sane? Oh my God, no, no. I need a lot of help. Um, ask my partners, those poor guys. Um, my friends, I have a large circle of friends. There's a lot that, there's some that I talk to about some things, some that I talk to about other things. Um, I'm huge into suicide awareness. Um, why? because I've been there. I've been there a lot. I, you know, I have, unfortunately, I still have thoughts, you know, almost daily. Can I help my feelings, my thoughts? No, I can't help them, but I can help what I do about them. And I can help people around me and I can check on people around me. And sometimes, you know, I had a, <laughs> a new friend of mine, Danielle, that just reached out to me at the right time. And it was just, it just made me ball. Um, last night because she has she doesn't know what I'm going through with everything in my life right now but she just reached out and sometimes it's it's just about that it's about reaching out to people around you this is a really weird time right now we can't imagine what anybody's going through a lot of people have either sobered up or gone down a rabbit hole of wine or drugs yep. and I've seen it happen um, and it's it's terrifying to watch people around you dropping like flies because of all of this COVID. You know, if that can take so many people and not just by the illness itself, but of, you know, by having to hole up. I'm still, I'm still not out of my house completely yet. I have a fear of fame for one thing. So I'm a little, I'm getting known more around here so sometimes i just want to go to albertson's and Ugh. you know get what i need to get and not talk to a lot of people even though i'm very social sometimes i just don't want to talk about my childhood drama with so and so at albertson's um but as far as mental health goes it's nothing to be ashamed of i am going to be on meds for the rest of my life i was on one then i was on another and i just actually switched again um three weeks ago. So I've been on meds since I think I was 16. 
and now I just switched again. So I'm kind of trying to monitor, you know, listen to what my what are my friends saying because I, I have to pay attention to um, if they're saying, Jackie, you're being a little emotional. Um, you're being kind of bitchy. Um, you're holding up. Um, why haven't you answered me back? Blah 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 blah. I have to listen and pay attention to how my friends are. Um, because I don't know if this medication's helping me. It feels like it's helping me. I have to pay attention to what my friends are saying and thinking. Yeah. My close friends, everybody, you know, other people. I don't care what anybody says about me. But does that make sense? It's it's nothing to be afraid. Yeah. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's an organ. Your your brain, and I preach this nonstop. Your brain is an organ. It has a chemical makeup. Your kidneys and your pancreas are also organs. So if you have diabetes and you're on insulin, type A or type one, type two, what is it? Type type one diet, type one or type two, sorry. You know, a lot of times you're on insulin. So you're taking care of yourself. You're checking your sugars. It's the same thing with your mental health. It's nothing to be ashamed of ever. And to find that good core group of people that you can talk to or you know, for your, like in your instance, you have this guy that you're talking to about certain things. I have people I can reach out to about certain things. Other people I can reach out to about certain things. Um, it's hard, honestly, it's hard for me to find a therapist that will take the time to get to know me and believe me. I've always had that struggle. Mm. Um, a lot of them think that I'm crazy right off the bat, and I have to tell them to Google my name or listen to my podcast, which is ridiculous. My last therapist never called me back. I mean, am I oh. that crazy? Wow. But I'm not going to take that personal because I have other ways. I have other ways of coping, um, you know, going outside, getting out of the house, spending time with my animals, you know, doing good things. If I'm having a bad day, one thing that I've um, really just recently i guess realized is trying to um please four out of my five senses so with aromatherapy which sounds like really um uh, tree huggerish or hippie-ish but it's actually not you know a little peppermint a little something a little yeah. lotus flower eucalyptus i just started doing yeah i just started doing that you know just putting it on like a cold washcloth on my forehead so I can smell it, listening to good music and eating freaking chocolate or something good. Um, but taking control of four of my senses, if I'm having a bad day, my son actually is really into, what is it, Connor? You, you do the, um, you meditate. Yes, he, he just went like that. He meditates. So I was having a bad day and I was in California. He said, just go sit on the beach, do these breathing exercises. But sometimes it's all about, you know, just being good to yourself, go sitting on the beach, um, doing things like that. And another thing that I've, I'm just going on and on here, but this is huge to me. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just need to take a fucking nap. You really do. Um, at, you know, the, I mean, honest to God, when I've had just, when I'm out of my mind, just what the just really struggling mentally. Sometimes I just need to go to sleep and it's all better when I wake up. I know that sounds really stupid, but I, you know, it works. It really does. 
So there's a lot of things that you can do for yourself out there. And life is, life is beautiful. It's a beautiful struggle. But every person in this world makes a difference. And a lot of people think that they don't. But I'm just the type of person that I don't care who you are, you know, I am freaking there. And I, I, I jump on a ledge with anybody and try to get them down because I've been there and I don't ever want very sensitive to human suffering and struggling like that. So it's really, it's very passionate about it, as you can see. Jack, you had mentioned something a couple minutes ago um, that kind of struck me. And I'm wondering, like, as you are, you know, bringing this podcast to fruition and it gets out there and then it gets traction. I mean, certainly you didn't think that, Hey, we're going to put this out here and you know, I'm going to get famous and we're going to be able to do all these other things. And. Oh, I kind of knew. I I knew this was a crazy story. I kind of knew. Did. Oh, totally agree. But did you ever think um, that this was going to be a thing where, as you had mentioned, if you're going to Albertsons or, you know, whatever shoe store, you know, at some point it's going to get out. Now you're going to have to relive this every single day, multiple times a day, and how that is going to potentially compound everything that you've been having to deal with. Because now it's like, oh, I just wanted to let everybody know what's going on. I want to tell people how to fix this. Don't talk to me about this shit every day. And now it's just like, right. bang, there's Jackie. Jackie, talk to me about this and talk to me about that. You know, that's that's a very good point. That was something that I had not anticipated, um, but it's just kind of par for the course. Um, it's um, Tina Turner just did a documentary about that somebody told me you should watch that. Kind of reminds me of you, and they're absolutely right. So when you see Tina Turner, you you think about Ike Turner and you know getting out of an abusive relationship. Tina Turner wants to be known for her music. You know, she's a fabulous woman. She wants to be known for other things, not just that. And, you know, I understand that this is my present day, but hopefully I'll be able to do the things that I want to do and be known for the things that I want to be known for. Is it this? Not really. Um, you know, if uh, I'd, I'd like to be known for my work in mental health, um, my work with you know, people that have gone through some trauma, things like that. But hopefully, changing Witsec at some point too in the near future. Absolutely, and that's my end game. You know, that's that's. There's other things that I'd like to be known for. Um, it is what it is right now, and you know, it does. It it's got some legs on it, and I just hope that it keeps growing. And basically, I get a phone call from the marshals asking me, "What now?" Yeah, because I have a plan. I know. I know what to do. I, I've been working with another friend of mine, Heather, and talking to her quite a bit about certain things that she's um, a data analyst, and she's got the best ideas. She's so smart. She's amazing. She's just intelligent. Just her intelligence. Just it's almost embarrassing to be sitting in the room with her when she's talking sometimes. <laughs> so uh, she's one of those, you know. But uh, she's got some great ideas, and it, it needs to be, things need to change. Things need to be restructured. Um, the data needs to be analyzed. Numbers need to come out. We need to start figuring this out. Basically, every person on WITSEC needs to pretty much have their own agent. 
like a parolee. They need to be checked in on. Um, nobody checked in on my dad. You know, he wrote letter after letter after letter, and yeah. I have them all. Yep. Just three weeks before what happened in Texas happened, he was writing letters. And lo and behold, you know, nobody responded, and look what happened. So that's not okay. That needs to be changed. And that's why I'm just getting louder and louder. The more they ignore me, I just keep getting louder. Can we... Uh, so... I'm just indulging myself at this point, but there I find myself when I'm listening at points where I go, man, what a bummer for Butch. Like I some maybe it's the way it's edited, maybe it's your storytelling and narration. Uh, Jackie, by the way, narrates uh, the whole podcast, and she's phenomenal, so you should be listening to it immediately. Thank you, because um, I did go through speech therapy for all my haters out there. I used to have a lisp. Oh. And somebody, yeah, somebody <laughs> mentioned something on there, and I'm like, oh, so I can't oh. read the comments. It hurts my feelings, no, but I, thank I, you. As a professional <laughs> orator, I would say it does of the highest <laughs> regard, no doubt. Thank you. It was a joy that to listen to. makes me feel good. Thank but you. I've Thank I've you. found myself at times going like f feeling some kind of empathy for him, and then I have to I'm like pull myself back and go, wait a sec, this dude's a total scumbag. I mean, look what he did to his family. Look what he did to other people. Blah blah blah. And 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 I get what you're saying. I I obviously want to side with the people in your position. If 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 the marshals decided to turn a deaf ear to your dad or whoever else was a, a flipper at that point. Uh, okay. I can live with that. They were bad, really bad people. And maybe they should, but that shouldn't include you. Did you, do you, how do you, how do you get your, I can't believe I, I never have trouble asking questions. How do you reconcile your dad with you? You know, every day I feel different about my dad. Um, do you have children? Uh, yes, I have a uh, one in a uh, junior in college, uh, two B freshmen okay. in college, and a sophomore in high school. All girls. Okay, I want you to close your eyes for a second. Remember holding your firstborn as a baby. Okay, you remember that? Yes. Do you remember how sweet and innocent and beautiful that baby oh, was? Yeah. All of them. Do you remember how sweet and beautiful and innocent they were? That was my father once upon a time. Yeah. What in the fuck happened? You know, and that's another thing that I I want to know what happened. How can we stop that kind of thing for what what can we do to if somebody would have stepped in at the right time and I know that he did have a lot of intervention but he never took it. Now this was back in the 60s. Sure, different time. But you know the 50s the 50s and 60s because he was born in 1940 but you know he he wasn't he wasn't properly intervened because he he had a head on his shoulders like nobody i've what what was the word that we used the other day off air was it photostatic he, memory or something like he that remembered yeah. everything and you know nobody nobody caught on to that nobody developed into that um, he was good at sports once upon a time. And how did he go off that path? You know, what happened? Um, he was taken away from his mom because she was 
and I hate to use this phrase, but that's what they say, a deaf mute, yeah. um, back in the day. And that's that's saying that she's an unfit mom. But I always think about my father was once just this innocent, beautiful little baby. And I I and that's where and he and he was a good dad once upon a time. You know, what he did to people, to things, flipping on the club. Yes, I know he was a rat. I get a lot of flack about that. There's gonna be a lot of comments talking about, well, he was just a rat. Yeah, I know he was a rat. That's this isn't about that. This is what happens to the family to this is collateral I'm collateral yes, damage 100%. of you know of the US the Department of Justice the US Marshals the FBI the ATF they didn't take us into consideration and think about what our lives would be like 40 years later and once again I did not sign anything at 7 years old I didn't. Neither did Camry Montiglio. Neither did my friend David. Neither did my friend Chris. Neither did my friend CJ. All of these people that are in the same shoes as me, nobody signed anything. But as for Butch, my feelings for him change every day. Mm. They do. I love him one day. I hate him the next. I'm really, really, it just hit me a couple of days ago that, and he's been dead eight years, that I'm never going to get to see him again. I'm never going to get to talk to him again. I'm getting to know him through his death, and that sucks. Yeah. Um, fighting for him, not for him, but fighting for the children of Witsec. Um, and like I said, what happened in Texas did not need to happen. They could have answered him, and they didn't. So somebody needs to be held accountable for that. And I'm going to make sure that that happens. Do I want sympathy? No. I would like some support. Um, our tax dollars are going into this program. Yeah. For what? Where's the money going? Where's I want to see, su you know, what's the suicide rate at? Um, there's the U.S. Marshal said that there are no murders. There's never been a murder on the witness protection program. Bullshit. I have documentation of at least five. So, you know... We need some congressional oversight here. Something needs to be done. Somebody needs to answer my phone calls. If anybody's worried about your specific safety from the Hells Angels, um, and, and you can listen to it in the show, that's all something they don't necessarily need to be concerned about. You're not being hunted. You are technically never in danger from Jump Street anyway. From the Hells Angels for that? Right. No, I was never in danger. Did they want my father? Of course. Do yes. I know what they wanted to do with my father? I don't know. I can guess. But no, they're not. They don't kill women and children. Right. Um, no, we were never in danger. Um, in fact, you know, my mother was very, very loved by the angels. My mother was actually, um, for those of you that don't know, my mother was a Catholic schoolgirl who went to Catholic nursing school, who then went to work at a Catholic hospital as a nurse. So um, at 30, 29 years, 30 years old, she jumped on the back of a Hells Angel motorcycle. Just happened. There's a little story behind that. But it, it happens. It's it's the really real world, I guess. But uh, she was, you know, th the sweetheart of the club. They all loved her. They were never after her. That was all fictated yeah. to um, encourage my mother to jump into WITSEC so that they could get some more information out of my father and he would participate fully. Um, did he participate fully? Yeah, he did everything, you know, that they wanted him to do, um, probably a little bit more. 
and uh you know nothing we were basically just dumped and mm -hmm. left um that's that's the reality of the witness protection program am i speaking ill of it hell yes i am because it needs to be reformed so if anybody's out there right now that is currently um thinking about possibly you know if, if something's going on in your life that has to do with this i'm telling you right now this is not the way to go the system is very very flawed there are other ways and for god's sake don't take your children into it uh jackie go ahead and give a shout out and a promotion to the folks that put on the production and, and anybody else you would like to mention this evening um, Zach from Cadence 13, thank you for everything that you've done. I'd also like to, um, my partners at Outlaw Archives, um, you can follow them on Instagram. There's a lot of old um, MC uh, history in there that uh, he's incredible. Um, doing a lot of work with them. We are looking to try to publish my father's manuscript. Um, I told you it was 650 pages long, so it's incredible. Um, yeah, thanks to all my friends, every, everybody that's, you know, stuck around. Thanks to my son, Connor, sitting here, my sound, my sound guy. He's always my sound guy. But yeah, just thanks to everybody. Thanks, Danielle, my new sweet friend. Kelly Mosier, I love you. Thanks, all you guys. And thanks for my sis, thanks to my sister for having my back. Uh, you can follow Jackie over on the Twitter at Hell's Little Angel, and it's A-N-G-L, uh, if you want to make sure you follow her. Is, is that right? Yep, and right. I'm also on Instagram, okay. Hell's Little Angel 74, which I did get some flack from the club, but kind of earned that name, guys. Sorry, not going to change unless you want me to put it in all caps. Uh, is, is, is Angel spelled out? On Instagram, or do you take the E out of that as well, like on Twitter? It's spelled out, so it's oh. Hell's Lil, Lil Angel74. Right. Yep. So follow Jackie over there as well. Oh, and can I do one more big shout-out? Yes. Riverport Barbecue in Jefferson, Texas. All right. Look at you mentioning Did you hear that? Yes. Riverport oh, barbecue. my God. Riverport Barbecue, Jefferson, Texas. The best go. barbecue place ever so if you're on board with texas barbecue i will be there next week hopefully right. it's wonderful it's my favorite uh the show is called or podcast documentary is called relative unknown you can find it on all the podcast platforms uh, i found it on apple but it's uh, also on google because i have a google phone i also have it on there too so i can listen all the time and uh, do you have a, a website or anything else you'd like to promote jackie no, just uh, just follow me on Instagram and right. Outlaw Archives. I'm doing lots of stuff. So and listen to Relative Unknown, please, and share it. Talk about it. Just an interesting story, and it's something that we need to know about because our tax dollars are going in to the Federal Witness Protection Program. Know the real story. It's uh, an incredible interview, Jackie. It's a seated expectation. Uh, I, I knew there was probably a, a, a no doubt it was going to hit, but it's even better than I expected. Reaction is great here on Instant Chat and through the emails that I've gotten over the time we've been talking. I appreciate all the time tonight. I held you uh, much longer than I anticipated, but when it's this oh, good, okay. I won't even take breaks. Uh, I'll catch up on all that after I turn you <laughs> loose, but I certainly appreciate it. When you get back to Cleveland, give me a heads up. I'd love to meet you in person, and 
Uh, you know, we can. I we will. Can take, we can. We can cruise Bomb City together. I didn't even know that was a Woo! nickname. I didn't know Cleveland was a nickname. Bomb, Bomb City, City Bomb USA. City? Oh my God, I can't. Yep, believe. the Alley Cat Oyster Bar. That's another good. Yeah, we'll have to meet up there, like All right. planned. Sounds good. So, uh, Jackie, once again, appreciate the time this evening, and good luck to you if you need me. Holler, and uh, we'll see you around. Okay, thanks, Greg. You got it. There she is, Jackie Taylor, right there. Wow. I mean, if I thought that was going to be the segment of 2021, I was right. Good for me. <laughs> That's it. Unbelievable story. Unbelievable background. Unbelievable day-to-day that she's going through. Got to be one of the strongest people on the face of the earth got to be one of the strongest people with what she's went through if you haven't heard the program you have to get it immediately and as i said uh, once you get through the first half of the first episode especially uh, this isn't just to the crime folks i mean crime podcasts are super popular at this point but this is really great storytelling and you you might find yourself multiple times through the episodes going, is this real? Yes, this is real. This really happened. True account, uh, autobiographical uh, work, in a sense, biographical work, more than autobiographical, obviously. But uh, uh, dictated through Clarence Butch Crouch's writings and recounts of his life, uh, which I believe is what that book is. Uh, that Jackie was mentioning, or the manuscript, the hate and discontent. So I can't thank her enough. Absolutely great guest. Truly open. Love the mental health piece. Probably more than anything else. Uh, love her openness. And love the fact that she's willing to help Witsec get their shit together. So Witsec, get your shit together. Call Jackie. Call her friends. She's seems to have a group of experts that are all in this program that have been able to knock down the worst parts of it and tell you how to fix it. I mean, what are we waiting for? She's not lying. They're not lying. They're living it. You're lying to yourselves that this is a great program. They have the proof. They have the experience. Hit them up immediately and let's get this thing correct. All right, let me play a little catch up here. Apologize for a couple back-to-backs, but well worth it. First, head on over to Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue and grilling. A curated selection from Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. First, the rubs and seasonings. They got 13 perfectly balanced flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow. All proven winners on the competition circuit and in backyards like mine. It's the only ones I use. Mostly, every once in a while, I mix it up. But I'm a tried true Big Papa guy. Now, if you like sauce, they also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everyone or try something new outside of the box that isn't like the run of the mill, then Granny's is something you want to try. And, of course, they're selling the uh, the smokers and grills. Check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker on BigPapaSmokers.com. Mac, or Big Pop is the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, Take a look at that Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal cooker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, call them, 877-828-0727. Or you can shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P. 
P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. Okay. And I will also talk to you about Primo Grills. Ceramic cookers or so. Meathead was talking about how popular a certain brand of ceramic cookers. Well, Primo is going to be the new other brand, okay? Rapidly becoming number one here in the marketplace. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for the traditional barbecue meats. We also love that it can get rip-roaring hot for grilling steaks and other thin cuts as well. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers. The real ability to do true two-zone cook. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professionals and backyarder cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker, not very realistic. Why? Because it's round and a primo. The oval changing design or the oval design changing the game. The shape gives you the ability to execute two-zone cooking. That you desire it also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well really when you break it down there are more than 60 different ways to configure the primo cooker so you're only limited by your culinary imagination we all know the lift hinge has been revamped it gives you that nice eight pound lift which is really light there are also revamps done on the top and bottom air dampers but if you're wanting more and more and more primo has you covered the most anticipated accessory to date is getting ready to launch the primo grill rotisserie actually that's out now it gives you incredible food. Everybody loves chicken with it. Go to primogrill.com and find a dealer near you and pick one up. Coming out a little bit later, Primo Grill's pizza accessory. Everybody loves high heat pizza. You can do it on your Primo now. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz. Yes. Patented technology. Uh-huh. True two-zone cooking. Yes. Multiple sizes. Yes. If you just have to have a round one, fine. They have a round one. Might I beg that you really get the oval for Pete's sake. Primogrill.com for a dealer near you or check them out on Facebook and Instagrams. Primo, I'm ready for a Primo. Who's ready for a Primo? I am. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this show. Be right back. Whole Packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by Smithfield. Head to smithfield.com through the grilling season for recipes as well as tips and tricks. From Chris Lilly and the Darren Warmth, Childs Cridland. Mouthwatering flavor, no artificial ingredients, Smithfield fresh pork. Quite simply, some of the finest pork money can buy, and you can find them at smithfield.com. Don't forget smoking with smithfield.com to report your first place finishes in ribs and shoulder if you're a committed cook. Also, buy Vortic Watch, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company. Located in northern Colorado, they take antique American pocket watches and turn them into wrist watches just like this one. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional and cutting-edge technology to create unique quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. And here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortec makes is unique and one-of-a-kind. Nobody gets it like you get it when you buy it. Vortec founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out Vortec Watch. Dot 
Jackie.com. And thanks again to Jackie Taylor. Relative Unknown is the podcast slash documentary, documentary podcast, podumentary, docu-cast, whatever you like. I'm going to trademark all of those, so use them soon because quickly I will sue you after they get trademarked. Uh, you can follow her on the Twitter at Hell's Little Angel, A-N-G-L, and on Instagram at Hell's Little Angel. I'm sorry, it was at Hell's Lil, L-I-L, at Hell's Lil Angel 74 on Instagram. So follow her over there. I think the podcast is relative unknown. You're going to love it. You got to listen to it. You listen to it and then tell me if I'm stupid. I don't think I'm stupid. But I think this one's a lock. All the way back in the first hour was Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. I sent him the link from once I add, and he said, hey, you know, this is a global market. Okay, you don't count. All right. Fair enough. Go to AmazingRibs.com for your pizzacini recipes or your tomato raisin recipes. You can also listen to us talk about technology of live fire between Weber and Meter. And Traeger recently, great conversation with me at the first hour. Second hour plus, Jackie Taylor, Relative Unknown. That's the podcast documentary, Relative Unknown. You can follow her on Twitter at Hell's Little Angel, A-N-G-L, or on Instagram at Hell's Lil, L-I-L, at Hell's Lil Angel 74. Uh, next week is the third week of, July, of August, if you can believe it. We have the likes of Stephen Reichland coming in, amongst many others, so get ready for that. Maybe Susie Bullock is uh, lined up, or is it? Who is it? Maybe Daniel Vaughn, actually? Could be Daniel Vaughn now. I think it might be his time. We'll see. There's going to be a quarterly guest in the second hour you're not going to want to miss, plus many others. How do I always leave? September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now! I'm the cooking guy, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Some call him a fool, some even call him a douchebag. But I say Greg Rempe is the greatest thing to happen to barbecue since caveman.